let's take our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. We'll continue to go verse by verse through this book of the Word of God together. And I don't know how long it'll take us to go through the Gospel of Matthew, but it presents our Lord as the King, and certainly He is. We need to recognize Him so. We're in Matthew chapter 1, and we'll pick up our reading again in verse number 18. The Bible, we've already preached on the stepfather of Jesus Christ, and this morning we want to get more into the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, not because of what uh, month it is, but we're going through this book of the Bible together. I would say this, that Jesus was not born in December, but uh, it is most likely from the Scripture that he was conceived at the end of December. So we're probably at a good place if you're following the history of our Lord that his conception being taken place at the end of December. I don't know if it's the 25th. I don't know when it was, but that would match what the Scripture says about his birth being six months after the birth of John the Baptist when we know when that is. But uh, as we look at the Word of God, it's always appropriate to always look at the Bible whenever we find it. Any verse is appropriate, and we'll go through it together. I'm in verse number 18 of Matthew chapter 1. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. All human history revolves around the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is unmistakable. You could not give a reason for why you would restart time. With a birth. To restart time. They didn't restart time with the birth of any Caesar. They did not restart time with Alexander the Great. Or Aristotle or Plato or David even or Moses. They did not start time with Muhammad's birth or anybody else's birth for that matter. But all of human history, when we date our years, 
When we look at time of human history, there is one central figure that we date everything else from, and that is from the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a coincidence. That's God Almighty no matter where you live. It doesn't matter what religion someone is. Today, this is the year 2024, no matter if you are a Buddhist or who you are. That's the date. That is what our human history is dated from. And it's because this one that was born was different than anybody else that ever has been or will be born. You know, in our culture today, they, they do not like the fact on the calendar it says 2024 A.D. A.D., Anno Domini, that means in the year of the Lord. And the B.C., before that, before Christ, everything, He is the center and the only thing we have to figure out in human history Was this before him or was this after him? He's the center. You see that? So what they have done in our culture, they have tried to change that. They, instead of saying A.D., they're saying C.E. And instead of saying B.C., they are saying B.C.E. Because what culture is trying to do is eradicate God from society. But you know what? It doesn't matter what you call it. It's still the same date. (laughs) You can't get rid of him. You can say CE and call it the current era. And you can say BCE before the current era. But you can't get around the fact that he's the center of the date. Jesus Christ's birth and his conception was the most miraculous event in all of human history since creation. You say, why is everything dated from him? I believe because as you look in the text before us, the Bible says he'll be called three things, which makes his birth different, which makes him different. In Matthew chapter 1, if you'll look down at verse number 7 or verse number 16, the Bible says, and by the way, in verse 17, it shows you the dates. It says 14 generations from Adam to David, and then 14 from David to the carrying away in Babylon, and from the carrying away of Babylon unto Christ. God is dating things still by his son, you see. He said in verse number 16, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. I want you to make a note of that. Who is Jesus, who is called Christ. Would you drop down to verse 21? And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Verse 25, he called his name Jesus, so he is called Christ. He has called Jesus. And then verse number 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted as God with us. He is called Christ. He is called Jesus. He is called Emmanuel. And in those three things is wrapping up a truth by which we have dated all of human history that makes him like no other. And I want to look at that this morning. 
First of all, in verse 16, he says he's called Christ. Now, to be called Christ is a very unique thing. Would you hold your place and go to Matthew chapter 22? Jesus posed this with the Pharisees when they talked to him about who he was. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22, and you can drop down all the way to verse number 41 with me. Matthew 22, verse 41, the Bible says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. Of course, in our text in Matthew chapter 1, it begins with the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. He is Christ. He's called Christ. But Jesus asked them, Whose son is Christ? They say the son of David. Notice verse 43. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, and he quotes Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? What a, and, and they had no answer. And the text says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. So this Christ, this anointed priest, this anointed prophet, this anointed king is going to take the throne of David, but he is not subservient to David. David said, he's my Lord. So if he is David's Lord, how is he his son? There must be something different about his birth. There must be something, but right, how can his son be his Lord? As a matter of fact, in that word Christ is not only contained that he is the Lord of David, but the Lord, that's capital L-O-R-D, that's Jehovah God in the Old Testament, said unto my Lord, now go to Hebrews chapter 1. In that word Christ, in that description as the son of David and yet the Lord of David, Christ, as they sang it this morning, Christ is the Lord. We are trying to get people to see that. There are so many people that do not see Jesus Christ as the Lord. Maybe they see him as a baby, but they do not see him as the Lord. Maybe they see him as a good man, but they do not see him as the Lord. Watch Hebrews chapter 1, which quotes the same text that we just mentioned in Psalm 110, that, that he mentions uh, uh, concerning David. Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible, he, he quotes it here in verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? He said God reserved the throne, not for an angel. Christ could not even be an angel. Christ had to be something much more. The Bible said in the same chapter, Hebrews chapter 1, look at verse number 1, because it's important what this chapter begins with. It begins with the word God. And throughout the narrative of chapter 1, God is doing things and God is calling things. Look at it with me. Hebrews 1 verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days 
spoken unto us by his son. Verse number six. And again, when he, that's God, bringeth in the first begotten unto, into the world, he, that's God, saith, let all the angels of God worship him. He said, who is coming into the world, my son, is more important than an angel. Is is anointed above that which is angel. He is the Lord of the angels. And I'm telling you, all of you angels, I want you to worship him because he's my son. Now watch it, verse number, number eight. But unto the son, he, again, that's God. But unto the son, he saith, thy throne O God is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. He is saying in in Hebrews chapter 1 that the Lord, the Christ of Psalm 110, who is going to get the throne of David, he is the son of David, and all will be at his footstool. He is not just the son of David. He is the son of God. He's made so much better than the angels. He is anointed and exalted above all. And even God Almighty says to his son thy throne oh God God calling his son God that makes his birth different Christ is not just the son of David or he would not be the Lord and he is the Lord and the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob turns to his son and says, Thy throne, O God. You say, what does that mean? Does that mean we have more than one God? No, we have one God. But we have one God in three persons. We have God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So he's called Christ to let us know this is not just a man. This is not just the son of David or he could not be Christ. He could not fulfill the fact that he is the Lord, the Lord of everything. He says, Jesus, who is called Christ. That's why it was so significant when Peter stepped up and said, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Your birth is like no other. Your birth is not like mine. You are the Lord Jesus Christ and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You'll call his name Christ. But then the Bible says in verse number 21 and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 25, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Does anybody notice with me that that is in all capital letters? Jesus. If I put your name in the Bible, it would not be in all capital letters. If I put your name in the Bible, it might start with a capital, but the next letter would not be a capital. All of the letters in his name are capital. 
You know what that takes us back to? That takes us all the way back to the Old Testament. And Moses said to God, you want me to lead the children of Israel out? I've written about creation. He wrote about everything. Moses told us where everything. He, he told us things about God and creation that nobody even knew. And he wrote it all down. And Moses said, God, i got to know what your name is. You know what he said? He said, I am that I am. And it's all in capital letters. Amen. All in capital letters. When God gives his name in the Old Testament, it's usually with a capital L and a capital O and a capital R and a capital D to show you that he's talking about deity. He's not just talking about any person. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. The word Jesus, I've told you before, is a compound word. It means Jehovah's salvation. Wrapped up in the name is God. Wrapped up in the package. Of, that's why he's given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's God. That's why they gave him the name Jesus. That's why it is all capitalized. What does Jesus mean? It means Jehovah's salvation. It means God the Savior if you want to say it in that way. You say, why is that significant? Would you hold your finger and go to Isaiah with me? Isaiah chapter 43. He shall save his people from, we're going to call him Jesus because he means Jehovah's salvation. And, and people need to be saved. And he is the Savior, so we call him Jesus. But in that name Jesus and in that thought of him being a Savior, he'll save us from our sins, requires the fact that this has got to be a different birth, just like calling him Christ. Isaiah chapter 43, the Bible says in verse number 11, I, even I am the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's God talking. I, even I am the Lord. Watch it. And beside me, there is no Savior. I'm the only Savior. God says I'm the only Savior that you could possibly have. I'm the only Savior. You'll not find a Savior anywhere else but in me. God is the only Savior. Look at Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. The Bible says in verse Number 21, Isaiah 45, verse 21. Tell me, tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there, watch it, there is no God else beside me. I believe that there is no God but the Lord God. There is no God but the Bible. He's the only God. There's only one God. There are not many gods of Mormonism. There's not many gods of Hindus. There's not your God and my God. The Bible says there's only one God. There's no God beside me. Do you see that in the text? He says there is no God beside me. A just God and a what? A Savior. 
There is none beside me. Look unto me. This is the verse that Charles Haddon Spurgeon got saved that somebody preached this verse. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. In other words, if you're going to be saved, there's only one that can do that for you and that's God. So let, let's go back to our, our, our description of our birth. Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Well, wait, the Bible tells us that there's only one Savior, that there's no other Savior but God. That means that wrapped up in this package must be God because only God is the Savior and this is the Savior of the world. Amen. His birth has to be different. You know, God looking down at humanity, he knows our need. Human beings are so needy of God. You need God this morning. I don't know if, I'm glad you're in church. I don't, I don't know your motive for coming, but I'll tell you this morning, I don't care who you are, you need God this morning. And God sees our need. And as God looked down to this creation, we didn't need knowledge. We didn't need information. If we needed If education was our need, he would have sent us an educator. He would have sent us a teacher. If knowledge, if all we needed to do was know something, he would would have said, okay, thou shalt call his name teacher because he'll teach you. He'll give you all the knowledge you need. All the knowledge in the world won't help you if you die and you sin. No, God looked down. He, He knew we did not need information. We live in the information age. If we just had information, that wouldn't save you. You need more than information. God looked down from heaven. He looked at humanity's need. And you know what most people think they need? They think they need a little more money. If we really needed money, God would have sent us an economist. He'd have sent us somebody to tell us all about how to fix the economy, how to feed the poor. He, he didn't send an economist. He didn't send someone that tells us about how to deal with our finances. That's not what he sent to this world. When God looked at the need of humanity, he didn't say, man, they just need some more technology and they need to figure out some things. God did not send us the scientists. God looked down from heaven and he, what most people think they need is a little more pleasure. If I could just have a little more pleasure, I, my life would be fulfilled. If all you needed was pleasure, God would have sent down an entertainer <laughs> to entertain you and bring, which, which is what a lot of religion is becoming. People don't need to be entertained. They need to be saved. From their sins, you see. We didn't, we didn't need money and we didn't need information and we didn't need more pleasure and we didn't need more technology. What we needed was salvation. And God looked down the man and said, they need to be saved, so I'm going to send them a Savior. Amen. There's only one that's a Savior. God's the only Savior. So he wrapped up himself in the package of a man, a little baby. He said, call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. That's what they need. 
They don't need world peace. They need a Savior. They don't need everybody to be treated fair and equally. They need to be saved from their sins. They don't just need more love. They need to be saved from the... I ask you this morning, have you, have you met the Savior? Have you been saved from your sins? Riding up and down the parade routes. That's what we're preaching to people. You know what's wrong with Americans? They're eat up with sin. You know what's wrong with your life and my life? Sin. You know what I'm glad? I'm glad, and this, people have a, a, a misconception about things. You know, a lot of times, people just want to be saved from hell. I'm glad that when I got saved, I got saved from hell. But the only reason I was going to hell was because of my sin. You understand? The bigger picture was not hell. The bigger picture is my sin. I've got to get my sin taken care of. I've got to get my sin washed away. I've got to get my sin removed. And the same need is today. And it doesn't matter if it's in December or January or what it is. Every man needs to be saved from their sins. And a new program won't do it. Amen. And a psychologist won't do it for you. And even religion can't do it for you. But God said, I'm going to send a Savior that will save you from your sins. Whatever your sins are, I wrapped up a package that will save you from your sins. You got any sins you need to be saved from today? But to be the Savior had to have a different birth. I can't save anybody from their sin. The best mom in this building, you can't save your child from sin. None of us. It's got to be Jesus. It's got to be God. He's the only Savior. I want to look at a little other phrase here because this has been misconstrued as well. Verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Someone says, well... The, the Savior only came to save his people. And so in the context of the book of Matthew, his people is, are the Jewish people. And so what he's saying is he's going to be the Savior of the Jews. Well, I'm sorry, that would exclude all of us. <laughs> that would exclude the majority of the world. Well, what is he saying? He shall save his people from their sins. Do you remember that great psalm, Psalm 100? Make a joyful noise in the Lord, all ye lands, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Watch it. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. And then he says the sheep of his pasture. And then we should enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. Jesus stepped out and he said, I'm the good shepherd. And you know what? If you want to be a sheep, all you have to do is come through the door. 
There's a great text in the Bible. Would you go to, this is important because we've got these Calvinists and these other people that want to say, well, he's just the Savior for a certain number of people. He said he shall save his people. Well, here's the truth of the matter. And you can go ahead and be turning to, to 1 Peter if you like. But here's the truth of the matter. If you are not one of his people, you know where you are? You're still in your sins. It does not matter that he came and died for you. It does not matter that Jesus is the Savior. If you're not one of his people, then you're, you're still in your sins. Your sins are still on you. And you'll die in your sins. You've got to become one of his people. The people whose sins have been taken away are the people who have become the people of God. You say, who was that? Was that the Jews? Oh, not on your life. They rejected the Savior, you see. The Bible tells us here in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm reading in verse number, verse number 10, excuse me, verse number 9, let's start there. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Watch verse 10 now, which in time past were not a people but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. He said, you used to not be the people of God, but now you're the people of God. You used to not have the mercy of God, but now you have the mercy of God. What made them His people in the text? It's because they found Jesus Christ. They tasted of the Lord, verse number 3. They put a chief cornerstone in their life, verse number 6. They believed that He was precious and they put faith in Him in verse number 6 and verse number 7. And He became their rock of salvation and they became His people. I'll show it to you one more time in case you need another verse on it. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. This book of Hebrews, though it's written to Hebrews, it tells us so much about Christ and so much about what Jesus the Savior has done for all of humanity. Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says in verse number 1, Let us therefore fear, Hebrews 4.1, Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Watch verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Do you see that? There are people, there's only two kind of people. People that have believed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and people who have not believed the gospel of our Lord Jesus. The people that have believed on the Savior and people that have not believed on the Savior. Now watch verse number 9. He says, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. When I put faith in the gospel, when I put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I became part of the people of God. And the Bible says my sins have been removed, have been taken away because my Savior saved me from my sins. And this is the problem with religion and most people. They're trying to get their sins taken away some other way than through a person. Well, if I just turn over a new leaf or be a better boy, a better girl, a better husband, a better father, a better person, 
then my sins will go away. No, no, you're not your Savior. You, you, you can't take away your sin. You have no power to do that. Well, I'll go to church every time the doors are open. The church is not the Savior. Well, I'll come and take communion. Communion's not the Savior. Well, I'll get in the water baptistry. The water baptistry is not the Savior. There is only one Savior, and it's God. It's God in the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh for us. The Savior is wrapped up in one package, and if you don't get to Him, and if you don't trust Him, and if you don't put your faith in Him, you'll never be saved from your sins. To be the Savior. He had to be different. Why? Why do we date everything from Christ? Why do we date everything from Jesus? Why do we date everything from the Savior? How can He be God the Christ and God the Savior? Go to verse 23 and we'll wrap it up. Verse number 23. Behold. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. The word Emmanuel means, and it's right there in the text, God with us. So when, when the disciples were walking with the Lord, they were walking with God. This is God with us. I said, this is God with us. He's Emmanuel. i never forget, I was in Greece, and I was witnessing. He was probably in his 30s. He, he, was, he, he pumped gas, and I, I was talking to this man. He said, I'm an atheist, and I talked to him enough, and he said, well, maybe I'm an agnostic. I just don't know what I am. But I don't believe. I said, what's your name? He said, Emmanuel. <laughs> I started laughing. He said, what's you laughing? I said, you're telling me your name's Emmanuel? He said, yeah. I said, you can't get away from God no matter what you do. I said, and so I started telling about Jesus. The real Emmanuel. God with us. To be God with us, his birth has to be different. So it says, a virgin should be with child. Not what the new false Bible versions say. It's not a young woman. Young women have babies all the time. You never had a virgin that had a baby. Can't happen. Impossible. And God wants you to know this birth is a different birth. For me to be with you, it can't have any man involved. I got to get man out of the way. So I'm just going to take a virgin, and a virgin will be with child. You know, when, when the, and he says in the text, she shall be child with, with child of the Holy Ghost. Look at those two little phrases. Most mirac- some most miraculous phrases in all the Bible. We just read over them. He said at the end of verse number 20, uh, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her, in the verse, is of the Holy Ghost. Verse number 18 says, she was found with child 
of the Holy Ghost. This is a Holy Ghost conception. This is a virgin. And Mary, when the angel says, you know, you're going to be, this, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. And that which is born of you is going to be conceived of the Holy Ghost. And she said, how can this be? And people are saying that ever since. How could this be? We, we, we can't even believe a virgin will be with child. You, you know what the angel told her? He said, look, with God, nothing's impossible. Amen. Now, now watch this. You know how people laugh about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? Well, the first Adam didn't have a man or a woman. You know, when you put God in an equation, there's not a problem. God says, I'm going to make a man. What, how, who's going to be the mother and father? There ain't going to be no mother and father. I'm just going to make him out of the dust. Well, there's nothing living in dust. Doesn't matter. I'm God. I can do what I want to do. God made the first Adam out of without a man or a woman. And you know what Jesus is called? He's that last Adam. He didn't need, he, he didn't need a man. You know what? I would even say this. Even natural birth is sort of miraculous. Don't y'all... I know they can talk about biology and they can give you all the statistics and all that, but there is something miraculous just about a birth of a child, about the conception of a child. God has no problem with the miraculous. So when the Bible says this virgin show, now I've got to do it with a virgin because this has got to be God the Savior and this has got to be the Lord Christ. And this has got to be God with you. And so I've got to take the Father out of the equation. And this has got to be my Son. And the Bible says that God, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the Bible says in John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh. God was made flesh. The Bible says God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus said, the Bible says about Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 and chapter 22, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He, he is God with us. So that baby is not just a human being. This is a God man. His father, his conception is of the Holy Ghost. He is God of very God. And yet he is all man because he has a human mother. He's all God. He's all man. He's wrapped up in one package. And that's the only way we could have a Savior. God can't die. And somebody had to die for us. And for God to be with us, will you think about that just for a moment? Call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Let me ask you a question. Why would God want to be with us? We've already read the verse. You sometimes were darkness. You remember over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says, What fellowship hath light with darkness? What communion hath Christ with Belial? How can you put God together with sinful people? Why would he even want to be with us? 
How could that even be possible? Can two walk together except they be agreed? How can God who is so holy and so almighty be with us who are depraved and sinful though we be? How could he be with us? Why would he want to be with us? The Bible says about God who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see. For us to be ushered into the presence of God and to be with God, it would disintegrate us quicker than you trying to fly a spaceship, amen, into our sun. God is much more, He's a consuming fire. How can God get together with us? How can light and perfect holiness and he who is separate from sinners, how can he be with us? Only one way. He had to become one of us to be with us. He had to take on our form. And now he can be with us. The only way a human being can be with God, there has got to be something between. We would be consumed. And so God sent forth his son made of a woman, made in the likeness of men, to redeem them that were under the law, to take upon our flesh, to take upon our form. And so now he can be with us. Guys, If you could get in a spaceship and you could make it to heaven, you couldn't do that. But even if you did, God would say, you can't come in here. Because God is holy and righteous and sinless. How can God be with us? I can only be with you one way and that's my son down there. And he not only took upon your flesh, he he took upon your sin. And he being all God and all man could grab the hand of God because he is God and grab the hand of man because he is man. And we could now be with God. Oh, what a miracle of God. That now I who was far off can be made nigh by the blood of Christ. Emmanuel has brought God to me. He's with me and he's not only with me, he's in me. You know what Jesus said? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said that where I am, there you may be also. I want to be with you. And you can be with me. God with us. Would you think about that this morning? Why would he want to be? How could he be? Only through this gift. Only through this virgin birth. I want to conclude with one text. Would you go to Revelation chapter 21? And while you're turning to Revelation 21, may I say to you this morning that what you need as we're turning to the last chapters of the Bible, what you and I need more than anything in the world, we need God with us. Do you understand? 
You need God with you. How is God going to be with me? You just read it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Jesus said, two or three gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst. You know what I believe? I believe this morning God has been with me while I preach. You know why? Because Christ is with me and Christ is in me. And if Christ is in me, God is in me. And if Christ is with me, God is with me. What you need more than you need anything else is God with you. Revelation chapter 21, one of these days when everything's wrapped up, God's going to start all over again. The Bible said in Revelation 21 verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice, out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. God says, I'll tell you how I'm going to wrap everything up. I'm going to make everything new. And then I'm going to be with you. But you know what the good thing here this morning? I don't have to wait for a new heaven and a new earth. I have a manual right now. Does he live in your heart? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is God with you. Listen to the Lord this morning and ask yourself, have I been saved from my sin? Is God really with me? And is Jesus Christ my Lord? 